Well, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, for those of you who decided to listen to this, uh, I don't know, podcast? Do you call it a podcast? I'm not sure. It's a video. I put it online. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, thank you for joining in Wrestling with Derek, Texoma Rock Show, wherever you joined us from. We are talking with Matthew Palmer. Hey, man, thanks for sticking around. Oh, thanks for letting me. So, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, something a little bit earlier. I've asked, uh, I'm just going to kind of jump into this because it was something that I just kind of, I heard, I, I agree with, but I do it at the same time. I've asked people uh, for, I guess, since I've been doing wrestling interviews when I started with Fuego Del Sol back in the day, I, I've asked people who their Mount Rushmore professional wrestling was. And you said, you know, I don't think there should be. And you know what? I agree with you, even though I asked the question. I'm, just talk about that for a bit. <laughs> Well, it's 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 entertainment, right? And right. and there's so many different aspects of it, and there's so much physicality in it. It's 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 hard to say who should be on the Mount Rushmore when there's so many aspects that, unless you know the business inside and out, that you don't appreciate. Like there's there's so many like the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah. Like is would he ever get his appreciation? No, because most people see him as like, oh, he never wins any matches, he doesn't do anything like that. But he is a part of the show, and he has mastered that craft. Oh, yeah. But you know, he doesn't get to be on that on that Mount Rushmore, which is wrong, I think. He'll never be considered that kind of stuff. And, like, there, there's a lot of other stuff that, that comes into play. Like, not every match can be your, you know, Dave Meltzer five- to nine-star match. <laughs> You know, it's it, it's it, there's so many other aspects that they have to hit their specific fan. If you're going out there and you're trying to have uh, every Marvel movie knowing the man, eventually they get worn down. And you don't get the the Shakespeare's in love. You don't get the uh, Saving Private Ryan's. You know what I mean? You don't get those movies that have a little bit more nuance, a little bit more uh, emotion behind them. And you get a lot of those kind of matches, and they're kind of thrown away because they're not the big money match. They're not the, uh, you know, the Sean Taker. They're not the Dusty Rhodes hard time promo. And it's so like, how can you say, oh, let's put this on a Mount Rushmore. This guy's the best. When it's just like, well, he made the most money. I, I mean, <laughs> but like, is he the best? Because like, there's a lot, like, right. like The Rock is a great guy, and uh, I'm sure everyone loves him. But as far as pro wrestling, he's not one of the best. He's not the best wrestler. Yeah. But he's one of the best entertainers. So, like, how can you put him above somebody like, I don't know, Dusty Wolf, an okay. old-time, you know, enhancement talent who has been who was wrestling for, like, 40 years, you know? <laughs> so, like, he's, he's much better than The Rock at wrestling, but he doesn't have that charm. There you go. So, yeah. like, there, there's so many different aspects you can't. Sorry, like no one gets to appreciate. So I don't think there should be a Mount Rushmore. Plus, I mean, it's about entertaining everyone. So you got to be able to uh, have a variety show. You know, sometimes I'm not going to like, let's say, uh, let's say John Cena. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to like John Cena, but 99 percent of the crowd is. Well, you still got to entertain that one percent of the crowd. Something's uh-huh. got to be out there for me. You can't just have three hours of <laughs> John you know, Cena yeah. cookie cutter. Yeah, guy who just all copies John Cena. Anyway, well, that's see, what. That's I kind of, that kind of harkens back into something uh, I was talking with Mr. Wobble about uh, last week. Uh, well, as we're talking now with uh, Matthew Palmer, Pro Wrestling's Monster Hunter, which that leads me into what I was going to say. I was talking with uh, Wobble last week about how I used to be that 
that uh, that kind of smart mark. I used to be that. Well, if if it's if it didn't reach this weight on the Meltzer scale, then I really don't want to. I used to be that kind oh, yeah. of just. Oh my god, that guy that I hate now. You know, I used to be that guy. Yeah. But it, it's like when I when I learned how to just watch professional wrestling and just. I mean, even though I mean, like you said, John Cena. I might not like John Cena. I'm the guy who stood. <laughs> during my smart mark days i'm the guy who stood in an autograph line for john cena only to get to the front of the line and go this isn't the nacho line and storm away even though i've done that to john cena there's still something you can get out of every match there's something to enjoy out of everything in pro wrestling and i mean even if it's more character driven like uh like <laughs> i love the pro wrestling monster hunter even if it's a character driven or if it's a, a mat base, there, there's something for everybody. Right. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the beauty of it. There it's, it's, it's ballet. It's, you know, it's the Olympics. It's, you know, there, there's so many different parts of this dance that to entertain somebody in that crowd, you know? Yeah. And, uh, bringing up pro wrestling's monster hunter. I know we touched on it when uh, we did the rock show interview, but, uh, Let's kind of go more in depth on that. Just kind of fill okay. us in on it. Okay. Well, I I don't know more to tell you as far as like <laughs> if there's a if there's a wrestler who isn't dressed just like Lou says in 1955, <laughs> then they're getting attacked by the monster hunter. <laughs> so, right on. It's this it's this character I, I developed uh, over the, uh, the 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 first quarantine. I don't, I don't know how many people have had in different states. Um, <laughs> But like uh, over over the uh, the initial quarantine during the pandemic, uh, I was just sitting at home trying to figure out like what I could do, what kind of characters I could do. I'd like to change some things. And then as uh, stuff started opening up, trying to take more wrestling shows, and I, I'd run across these guys that are all like six eight, seven feet tall, and they'd have some wild uh, looks. And trying to talk to him, <laughs> trying to talk to him about what to what to do for matches and things like that, and it's always the same thing. It's like, oh, I don't know if that makes sense, brother. Oh, I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, okay, all right. If we want to start going with makes sense, I'll show you what I can do for real, and then we can we can do that in the ring, or you can start uh, playing along. And these guys are they don't want to play along. They're always afraid that oh, I'm going to look weak. I'm going to do this, and it's like, okay, buddy, all right. <laughs> Sure. So I make a character that is initially just set to fight those guys. It's no more of these cruiserweight scrambles and stuff like that. There's no point to that. I want to fight, you know, Hector the well-endowed or whatever the hell it would be. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. I want to fight these weird uh, characters, uh, and I don't want to hear any more excuses like, well, I don't know if that makes any sense because, like, now I'm just going to drink this potion and uh, show from my teleporting chair and fight this monster. <laughs> like it's just, it's just absurdity, uh, just pure absurdity. I love and, it. And like I had a, I had one guy. It's like, well, I don't, I can't just fight guys that are monsters. It's like, no, dude. It's it's everyone who isn't Vern Gagne. If ever, if you're not in black trunks and boots, just having a standard wrestling match like it's 1972 then you're a target for the Monster Hunter. <laughs> it's just like, oh, too much rock and roll music in your intro? Monster Hunter. <laughs> oh, your character dances a lot? Monster Hunter. <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. It's just absurd. Well, see, I, I love it because, I mean, like you said, it is so absurd. It is so out there, but it's trying to get back to, like, I don't know, just like a straightforward 
a sport presentation of wrestling while being so <laughs> while being so absurd. Yeah. I, I don't know. I love it. It's yeah. very, very cool. Very, very Thank cool you. idea. Thank you. Well, I'm hoping somebody smart enough comes up to me and wants to do a young children's novel slash uh, movie so I can be rich. <laughs> uh, I'm not doing it because I'm too dumb to write any of that stuff. <laughs> well, no, I guess, uh, you know, um, I see, uh, just switching in a different direction, I see you doing some sure. commentary recently out at the shows close to us here. Uh, well, for those who, who might not know, uh, we live in Texoma area, North Texas, Southern Oklahoma, uh, down at Red River Pro Wrestling, Texoma Pro Wrestling. I've, I've seen you do some commentary. Talk about that. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I stood in for a couple of, couple of shows. They, uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know if someone got fired or someone got sick, but they were gone, and I just happened to be walking by. Like I said, I was doing some backstage work. Mm-hmm. And I was walking by the commentary booth, and I realized the guy's all there, you know, by himself. And I was like, "Tony, where's the, where's your buddy? Where's yeah. the, where's the, where's the color commentator?" It's like, "Oh, he's not here." It's like so I just grabbed the headset and started talking. Well, see, I wanted and, uh, to. Uh, well, no, I just I, I wanted to talk to you about the commentary because I mean I listened to it a little bit, uh, went back and heard it because I. Uh, I saw Tony cracking up over there uh, as you guys were having a good back and forth. So I went and listened to it. I, I liked it. Uh, being a sportscaster myself, I wanted to run this by you. Because here's what I've thought. Okay. When I broadcast football, I broadcast football like Marl Ranallo broadcast in XT. I broadcast okay. football like JR would broadcast in the Attitude Era. Right? Well, I'm thinking wrestling. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. This is okay. this is my pitch. What if you have the lead man who is very old school trying to do play by play, and then you have the normal commentary that we're used to around that? What would you think of that? Well, give me an example. I don't know. You got maybe the, uh, the old school play by play. Okay, okay, so maybe the, something like uh, I don't know if you're into old WCW, but uh, something like. Jim Ross, uh, first or second class of champions, calling the Fantastics match. Uh, I think it may be open the show. That okay. style of Jim Ross lead commentary, but you've gotcha. got... I got you. Okay, you've got Excalibur beside him of today, you know? You've got that style okay. of today's style, but mixed with the old professionalism of the standard play-by-play. Yeah, that would that would work fine. As long as the play-by-play is calling the action, the color commentator can essentially just do whatever he wants in a way as long as he stays on story you know well see that's see this is the thing that i've always thought about professional wrestling just simply from a broadcaster standpoint if i'm again this comes from jim jim ross his first professional wrestling commentary duty but his color commentator was blind so he had to describe oh, things. Fun. Yeah. So he had to just describe things exactly so he could see. You know what I mean? So he knew what was going on in the ring. That always leads me back to radio broadcasting where I have to describe what's happening on the football field so people who aren't watching get to kind of know where things are. If I just oh, close yeah. my eyes and I listen to Michael Cole, if I just close my eyes and I listen to Pat McAfee, I probably don't know what's going on in the match. That was kind of what I was getting back to. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah, like, well, like the color commentator is never going to be able to say what the moves are. <laughs> right. The color commentator is usually too busy trying to <laughs> trying to crap on the baby face or you know support <laughs> the heel. Um, 
But like, yeah, I I agree. Uh, a lot of a lot of times you'll have trouble with uh, the two positions merging into one. Yeah. The play-by-play tries to do too much color, and the color commentator's got nothing to say, so he starts calling the action. <laughs> so you and, know. Uh, you know, and it's like, no, no, stop that. No, stop. It's like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, we're looking for a. Uh, Looking for the uh, comedic guy and the straight man. Like we're not looking for. There you go. We're not looking for the same person. There you go. I couldn't. I couldn't think of what uh, term to use to describe it. But that, that's perfect, right there, man. But I don't know. I'm jumping all around in this interview. So I just really like to talk about professional wrestling. If uh, well, that's fine with me. <laughs> but uh, if folks have never been around to. Uh, uh, Texoma, if they've never seen Red River Pro, Texoma Pro. Um, just kind of talk about, uh, well, I guess I'd mentioned it earlier in our rock show uh, segment. Uh, the, the kind of quality matches, kind of quality athletes, entertainers, performers that, I mean, honestly, a lot of other places around the country, while they're putting on good work and good shows, uh, they're not fortunate enough to have as great a matches, as great a talent as we're fortunate enough to have here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you have guys like J.D. Griffey and Ed Stone, Charlie Haas, like, you really start yeah. setting a solid foundation as far as, like, grappling. And then right. you could play off their characters. Like, very few are going to have the experience that Charlie Haas has. So, like, just having him in a locker room is invaluable to me. Now you throw in the fact that Red River is bringing in a ton of new talent. Like, they got Nat, uh, the Mad Prince, Noah Navarre, Brixton Shaw. You got all these young guys coming in, and they're starting to hit that third year in wrestling where, like, things like, you know, you're not quite the greenhorn. You still are, but you're not quite the young kid. Things are starting to mesh. Your body's starting to come into play with the workouts and things like that. And so, like, that eagerness is really, like, bringing the matches up a, a different notch, you know, that mm-hmm. that really, that excitement. You combine that with all the experience of J.D. Griffey and Haas, then you can really you can really make something special with that kind of stuff. Uh, then, of course, you got Texoma. Texoma has a far more, like, experienced roster than, say, like Red River. Red yeah. River's where all the young kids are coming into their own. And it's not like the rookie show. A lot, a lot of people have that, like, oh, it's the – it's the lesser show. I was like, I would, I would disagree because these rookies are killing themselves for people's entertainment. I wouldn't say that's the uh, Greenhorn show. But yeah. then you got Texoma. You got the, you got the likes of like Apoc and Tim Storm. You got Malico and Chandler Hopkins. Those young guys are really hitting their stride. Really going to start seeing them in a lot more places. So like you, you get you get just about everything. But every single wrestler there can wrestle. And so should you want just your old school, I want to get in there and see two guys just beat the crap out of each other. Everyone on the rosters can. There's no one there that's just going to be shtick. You know, no one there is just going to be like, oh, my character dances and that's all I can do. Well, can he wrestle for 25 minutes? No, but I can dance for four and I call it a night. <laughs> so, like, no one's going to be like that. No. Uh-uh. Uh, but, yeah, so I've talked about everything. I know... Uh, we, we we did the rock show segment before we did this one, so I kind of jumped in from that, leading into that. I, I feel like I've talked about everything except Matthew Palmer. Man, tell us, how did you get started in pro wrestling? How did you get into pro wrestling? I mean, tell us about that. Okay, uh, well, there's not much to tell. I was, I've been a fan since I was four. Yeah. Uh, and then I, you know, grew up 
very small and weak, sickly and, and shy. You know, the perfect combination to start off with if you want to be a wrestler later than in life. I uh, ended up doing theater uh, throughout high school, college, and I did some, uh, I guess you would say semi-pro. I mean, I, I paid for my life, but I didn't make much money uh, after college. And then uh, I was managing a Wendy's later on. I think I was about 19. Managing a Wendy's. I was acting on the road whenever I could. And then I went to a show called PCW in Arlington, Texas. Uh, professional Championship Wrestling, if you if you want to have like the blandest name ever. <laughs> and uh, ended up being trained by Lance Hoyt uh, there when I realized I didn't want to manage a Wendy's for the rest of my life. And I wanted to just try to attempt one dream of mine. And uh, 15 years later, still doing that like a sucker. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that's about it. It's honestly it. Like, I, I probably fell in love with wrestling when I was four because I was watching a British Bulldog uh, Bret Hart match. Mm. And I, I, assume it's a, I assume it was over their IC title, but it wasn't the SummerSlam match. I was, it was like a Saturday morning TV type thing. I think they were still in tag teams, in fact. Now, see, that's quite, something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, like what? Oh, that's something? <laughs> like what? Well, I'm saying, like, because that's something that, okay, the matches, okay, everybody can talk about, because I was born in 82. So when I when okay. I was growing up, the first match I remember is my stepdad putting in a, a, a VHS of WrestleMania three. you know, Hogan and okay. Andre and all that. And I can talk about that. And sure, you know, it, it's great. But what got me into professional wrestling was a feud a lot of people really don't remember. Uh, it was Global Wrestling Federation. might have been U- USWA, honestly. I was so young, I never even thought about it. But it was Patriot versus Dark Patriot. I mean, probably not oh, the best okay. matches looking back, but just that feud as a kid, I was so just enthralled every time it was on TV. So oh, it's yeah. just kind of like certain matches that kind of, I don't know, brought me into it. But that one right there just made me kind of, ooh, instead of where I was just like, okay, there's something there, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember I remember watching Global. Uh, I remember as a kid, I loved Chris Adams. <laughs> Couldn't yeah. tell you why. I just loved Chris Adams. And then I remember him feuding with Iceman King Parsons over the title for like a long, long time. I was like, man, it's forever. As a kid, it could have been three weeks, but it felt like forever. Yeah. I, I, I still remember that to this day. And it's like, it's like crazy the things that you can remember, which... Once goes goes uh, with my there shouldn't be a Mount Rushmore because <laughs> you're not going to name Iceman King Parsons or Chris Adams that to that Mount Rushmore. Most people are are not going to name them, but I remember them and their matches in a small arena more than I do so many WrestleMania matches, so many AEW matches, and it's like that's why there shouldn't be a Mount Rushmore because each match means something different to different people. Yeah, yeah, anyway, sorry. Well, I would say just to that point, uh, I got to mention this a little, uh, actually a few days ago, uh, with Fuego Del Sol, uh, the talk of the wrestling world now. He was the first professional wrestling interview I got to do, and the first professional wrestling show I took my son to, Fuego was on that show. If I look back now that you mentioned his names here, Gentleman Chris Adams, the first professional wrestling show my dad took me to, Gentleman Chris Adams was on that show. You know, Kevin Von yeah. Erich was on that show. I've got a picture with Kevin yeah. Von Erich now. I've, I've him. I might have been seven or eight. He is actually that's flexing, awesome. and I'm sitting on his bicep. I mean, that's how small of a kid I was. You know. 
Yeah. But it's just like things yeah. like that that really kind of get me, I don't know, into the nostalgia of pro wrestling, but also remember where I started from. And like I was talking about all my smart mark and all the roots, but like fandom is really like a journey. I mean, as as not just a fan, but as someone in it, I mean, what do you think? Is it is it like that for you too? Well, it's it's different for me, of course, because my fandom ended when I started training. So, right. Because everything, I don't get to watch for pleasure anymore, which is <laughs> which is a ridiculous thing to say, but it's it's true because like you watch something, you start getting lost in it, and then you got to pull back, and you're like, oh, they did that leg move a little weird. Let me look at that again. Oh, that's pretty cool. Let me see if I can use that in my arsenal. It's like, ah, right. oh, damn it, now I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but like as as a kid. When I was a fan, when I was just strictly a fan, I remember loving the wrestlers. Not like this. This is you know uh, shortly shortly later uh, the cruiserweight started coming in, and the more lucha style got mixed in with the American style. But I was still huge fans of like Bret Hart, Malenko, Benoit, those the wrestlers. The older I got, I started to appreciate the bigger guys rather okay. than like go with the cruiserweights. It's like, oh, these guys are closer to my style and they're flashy and they're fun. Yeah, they're fun. It's all obvious. But I started to appreciate the bigger guys in a way that I never did before because you start realizing, oh, man, these big guys got an extra 100 pounds on them mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're taking the same lumps that everyone else is. Like Their knees are starting to hurt. <laughs> like there's, there's no way their elbows and joints are doing well having to throw these big guys, stand there and catch the cruiserweights. It's like... These guys are strong as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, these guys are awesome. And so, like, my fandom definitely did grow outside of the, like, oh, they can't wrestle. They're just big meatheads. And then, you you know, especially if you watch some Hogan in Japan, which is always incredible to watch. Honestly, I was like, just start- I was thinking that. I was honestly just thinking that. I was going to bring up Hogan after you. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's just like you see these guys and like, oh, that's right, they can't wrestle. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of us should be grateful that they don't wrestle because they'd probably murder every every fan that, or sorry, every fan favorite that I liked growing up. <laughs> right. If oh, Hulk Hogan man. just started busting out wrestling, he'd murder uh, Dean Malenko. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like oh, I can wrestle a little bit, and also I got two hundred pounds on you. So yeah, like, right. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I feel like if I keep you on here, we're going to talk like forever. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to call it. But I, bef- before we go, uh, there's a topic I wanted to bring up to you uh, because, well, the current state of professional wrestling, I haven't seen it like this since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I can remember watching Eddie Gilbert bring his title to face uh, Jerry Lawler for his title. I can remember um, companies working together. I can remember New Japan in WCW when I was a kid. But as we see oh, AEW, yeah. uh, Impact, uh, AAA in Mexico, New Japan, uh, all these companies working together now, well, what do you think that means for the state of wrestling going, going forward? It's good. Uh, right now, it's good. Just just like anything, though, uh, it can always jump the shark. It can be one of those yeah. things where, like, the same six people are the only ones traveling everywhere. And then, like, yeah. oh, that's yeah. great. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see Kenny Omega everywhere, but I'd like to see this guy everywhere, or I'd like to see a variety. Yeah, I get uh, And it's not, it's not like that now, of course. So, like, now it's a lot of fun. It's all cool. You know, it's great for wrestling. 
it's it's great for fans <laughs> to see all these different kind of like matchups that they never thought they'd be able to see. If they can keep that up, fantastic. If oh, they no. end up going like, well, this guy's the only one who's got crossover appeal, and so he's the only one that goes anywhere. Eventually, you're gonna satur- you're gonna oversaturate that guy, and now I'm gonna not want to see him ever. Exactly. Yeah, that's, I can that's, the, get that's that. the only negative we have, I think, so far. Well, see, I like the fact that uh, NWA is kind of uh, using their women's division to the advantage where uh, I don't know how to kind of say this because I I don't want to disparage other companies or other things, but I've seen AEW's women's division. I've seen WWE's women's division. I've seen NWA's women's division. Uh, Maybe Ring of Honor is starting to build up now, but that's about it other than stardom and companies like that solely for women's wrestling uh how do you see that how do i see the women's well, division in nwa or well, women's um, because uh, i don't really know how to say i want to i want to highlight nwa as being kind of a a launching pad uh for uh women's stars who maybe people haven't got a chance to see but AEW is doing that as well. Uh, so is WWE. But I'm saying NWA maybe gives a step uh, a step into that. Well, I think I think the benefit of NWA is that it's more simplified on the character stuff. Yeah. Okay. You don't you don't have to worry as much on like uh, you don't you don't have as nearly as many camera cuts. You can work your audience. You can look at your camera, you can work on your character, but it's mostly about the wrestling, right? Okay. Let's build that solid foundation of wrestling, and then you can go anywhere and do any character you want, any stupid face or mannerisms you want to come up with, any, any silly symbols for your hands, any of that nonsense. Yeah. But, like, NWA gives them the foundation of, like, this is wrestling. Like, you have to be good at that part before you can learn the rest. Like, you can't go to a show and be like, I'm a world-class Broadway actor. I can perform in front of anyone. Yeah. I don't know what the hell a wrist lock is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you can go, you can't go that way. I so, see. like, that's why NWA and places like that are super beneficial. AEW, uh, a little similar, but they're kind of learning on on the run. Well, I think that's like, what I was trying to say. They're learning on the go. I, I, well, I think that's what yeah. I was trying to get to anyway is how, well, okay, we might remember uh, Serena Deeb, uh, from WWE, from you know CM mm-hmm. Punk's group, uh, but a lot of people might not know how really good she is. We got a chance oh, to she's see phenomenal. that. Well, a lot of AEW fans might know Layla Hirsch, but once they see her in NWA, they're going to see how good she can be. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's—I mean—that's a lot of fun with like, like you said, like the wrestling nowadays is like. If I go to, let's say it's me, which. Well, who knows if anyone will ever book me? Let's say it's me, and I go to NWA. I get to use wrestling abilities that I haven't used in forever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, I can just I can just wrestle. There's no worry about the scale of entertainment versus reality. It's just wrestling. Make it as real as possible and have fun. Yeah. And then there's other shows I go to that are just like we do not care. <laughs> about your chain wrestling. We don't care about any of your martial arts background. We don't care. Just make with the funnies and smile at us, please. And I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> so, like, so, like, yeah, it, 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 it's a blast being able to show your repertoire and go in different places. Like, of course, they get uh, 
they get uh, YouTube on NWA. Do they do they have TV now? I don't I don't have oh, technology I think they're on in my Fight house. TV. Uh, I don't know if they're still on YouTube. I know they're Fight, on Fight okay. TV. See, when I was when I was watching it, it was it was on YouTube, and I, yeah. it felt like the freshest, most fun thing while oh, still it was so being cool, like wasn't it? this. Yeah, it had like this 1982 vibe about it still <laughs> while still being fresh, and then you go over to like. WWE and they have this very sleek mainstream, uh, more family friendly type of feel. Sorry, like family entertainment type of feel. And so, like you can just see these people jump ship back and forth, and like their chi- their styles change. And I was like, these guys are so darn good. <laughs> it's like yeah. wrestling doesn't get enough appreciation. The fact that like you can just drop uh, and change styles. Sorry, at the drop of a hat, and uh, and like be able to entertain these people. And like they should get so much more appreciation uh, than than they do having to be able to physically perform some of the stuff they do in the pain that they are in, and entertain people in a live crowd atmosphere. Could you imagine like having to do improv like that? Could you imagine like whose line is it anyway? Like Drew Carey has to drop down and start doing burpees and oh my goodness, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? And be good at them. Well, I mean, okay, you, you, you mentioned drama. I was in drama club. I I could uh, one-act play. Hey, great at. I'm a great character actor. I could do all that. Extemporaneous speaking, debate, anything. Nope. <laughs> That's not me, you know? So, the, I mean, you're right. <laughs> the fact that people can change and just do things at the drop of a hat is like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, uh, it's people, people never understand. People, uh, it, it's weird to me that, like, the regular – Joe Schmo Normie who doesn't really watch wrestling won't really appreciate that. They'll they'll go and watch their their favorite TV show and like, oh, this guy's a great actor. Well, this guy over here is also a great actor, and he's two hundred and forty five pounds of pure muscle. No, cuts, he can't feel no his chance. knee cartridge for the last five years, but he's been one of the best wrestlers of all time. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that wrestling thing. I was like, anyway, here's Chris Hemsworth. Like, Chris Hemsworth can't wrestle. <laughs> Man, I have had a great time talking with you. And like I said, if I don't let you go, we're just going to talk forever. So, I guys, got you. I got you. <laughs> thank you for joining me. It is Pro Wrestling's Monster Hunter, Matthew Palmer. Thank you, everyone.